Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're so glad you're joining us today. We've all said it over these last few weeks, these are extraordinary times. For many of us, nothing seems normal anymore. So what do we do with the feelings of fear or uncertainty that we have? In short, what do we do when we're afraid? Pastor Nicole has some timely thoughts and insight for us today, and it's probably not the same advice you've heard everywhere else. We hope it encourages you wherever you are. Let's join Pastor Nicole. Hey, everyone. Uh, Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for being a part of today's message. Um, Let's just pray, and I want to share with you what I believe that God is uh, laying on my heart to share today. So pray with me. God, I thank you for this day to worship you. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you, Father God, that uh, you want to speak to us, and I pray that we could hear you clearly And I pray today, Lord, that this could be um, something that could get deposited into our heart and change how we think and how we act. Um, Father God, that we could see your heart for our situation. God, it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Well, my question for us today is this. What do we do when we are afraid? What do we do when we are afraid? What is our typical response to fear? So if this was crawling up your neck, what would you do? Would you swerve off the road? Would you scream? Would you run? Would you yell with urgency? Uh, Even if you're alone, anybody, somebody get this off of me. Uh, If you're alone at night after watching a scary movie, what do you do? Do you lock the door to your bedroom before you fall asleep? Uh, If you hear something, do you hide, uh, really hoping that they don't hear you breathe (laughs) before you hear them breathe? If you're afraid of not having enough, what is your response? Getting and hoarding as much of something as you can, also known as the toilet paper shortage in this COVID uh, virus situation. There's none left on the shelves because everyone's afraid that they might not have what they need. My daughter, Mercy, uh, who is five years old, loves frozen blueberries. I don't know how she got this uh, particular obsession, but she loves them. And she loves them so much that she doesn't want to share them because she doesn't want to run out. And the other day I said to her uh, during quarantine, I said, Mercy, do you want a bowl of frozen blueberries? It's like her favorite afternoon snack. And I was looking in the freezer for the bag of blueberries so I could pour her a bowl. And she said, yes, yes, mom, I do want a bowl. Uh, I'll go get them. Which puzzled me because I was looking in the freezer, you know, for them. And um, she took me upstairs and she showed me that she had hidden a bag of frozen blueberries deep, deep under her bed, in the very back corner under her bed so that no one else could find them, so that none of her sisters could eat her, her precious blueberries. And I pulled the bag out. Uh, I have no idea how long it had been underneath there, but it was warm and thawed. And uh, those blueberries were now no longer even edible because she tried to save them all for herself. She was hoarding the blueberries uh, out of fear that she wouldn't even have enough. Now, on a more serious note, um, sometimes when we're afraid, we attack, we we lash out. When we're afraid someone is going to hurt us, we decide, well, we'll hurt them first. And maybe we speak very cutting words or hurtful words to people. We can be mean. We can be cruel. We can be hurtful, not because we're angry, but because we're afraid. We're afraid someone will hurt us or we're afraid someone will leave us or, or someone will um, you know, do something to us that causes pain. Uh, sometimes when we're afraid, we collapse inward 
uh, we stop trying to make meaningful relationships because we stop trying to pursue our goals or, or our dreams because we are afraid that we won't achieve those. And so we just stop altogether. This is like laying in bed with the covers over your head watching Netflix, right? We just collapse in the middle of our fear. We kick into survival mode and we focus inward on ourselves and we do whatever we can to make sure that our needs are met and what we need is protected. Now, this season in our nation um, has certainly been a breeding ground for fear. There's, there's a lot of things to be concerned about. There's a lot of things that come up even daily um, that can concern us. And honestly, we haven't seen anything like this in our lifetime. And so it, it undoubtedly causes some anxiety or some fear. Uh, it, it, will, it will probably affect the economy. It will potentially affect someone we love uh, their health or our health ourselves. Um, it will change the way we do life today and for the foreseeable future. And so what do we do when we're afraid? We scream, we run, we hide, we hoard, we collapse, and sometimes we attack. And so we know what we do when we're afraid. We know what our natural instincts are that we do. But what I want to focus on this morning is this question. We know what we do when we're afraid, but what should we do when we're afraid? What should we do when we're afraid? Because quite honestly, those two things can be very different. We know our tendencies. We know our current realities. But what does the scripture say we should do when we're afraid? And the first thing I believe the scripture says that we should do when we're afraid is worship. We should worship when we are afraid. Now, today is Palm Sunday, and uh, this is not what I expected Palm Sunday to be. I thought you would all be in the room here with me, but Jesus knew what it would be. And on this Sunday, we remember what happened in Luke 19, 37 through 40, uh, Luke is describing the arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem at the beginning of the last week of his earthly life. I want to read it to you. It says, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples and I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I love verse 40. It says, if the disciples hadn't worshipped, the rocks would have. That the universe could not stay silent for what was about to happen. That there was about to be a coming king. What, a, what an incredible picture of what's happening here. Now, I want to read to you um, the same moment, but from a different perspective in John 12. So this is John 12, uh, 12 and 13. The next day, the great crowd had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. So that's why on Palm Sunday, that's why we call it Palm Sunday, and that's why sometimes we wave palms because we're remembering this moment in scripture in John 12 where the people were worshiping Jesus coming down into Jerusalem with palm branches. Now, I think this is really fascinating. The English word Hosanna comes from a Greek word, Hosanna. Okay, so those are, those are the same, but 
That Greek word comes from a Hebrew phrase, hoshiyana, hoshiyana. Now, that Hebrew phrase is found in one place in the Old Testament, only one place. And I can't wait to show you this. In Psalm 118, the psalmist is talking and he's describing his current situation. So um, like here in verse 10, he says, all the nations surrounded me, all of them. He's feeling totally trapped. He's feeling totally like people are are after him. And verse 12, he says, uh, they swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. Okay, some of you You can do spiders, but bees, bees make you flip out. Bees are talking about the real fear here. Verse 13, the psalmist says, I was pushed back and I was about to fall. And so what's happening here is the psalmist is describing in Psalm 118, he is fearful. I mean, things are happening around him. He's feeling surrounded. Uh, He feels like bees are attacking him. He feels like he's pushed down and he's about to fall. He is encountering real fear. And he's feeling defeated, and he's feeling afraid, and he's feeling trapped, and he's feeling like he's been quarantined in his house for weeks, okay? This is how the psalmist is feeling, and he's writing this out. And in Psalm 118, verse 25, the psalmist says this in Hebrew, Hoshia na, and we translate it, Lord, save us. Save, please. Now, this is the only place in Scripture that this phrase is used, and it's a cry to God for help. The psalmist shows us what to do when we're afraid. He says, listen, when you're afraid, cry to God for help. Worship. Worship when you're afraid. And what's so interesting culturally is something happened to that phrase, that hoshiyana, over the centuries between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It stopped being a cry for help. It stopped being a a, a cry for, I'm nervous, I I need help, I need help, a panicked cry for help. And it started showing up in the ordinary language of the Jewish people. And the way that it changed is it became, instead of a cry for help in fear, it became a shout of hope. It came to mean salvation, salvation. Salvation, salvation has come. In fact, it was a phrase that was said, bubbling over hope and joy. Hosanna means hooray for salvation. It's coming, it's here. Not just God, I'm hiding in the corner, please save me. But God, you have saved me. And now I am declaring to you that that you are here and you have saved me. And And there's this confidence in it. In fact, that word Hosanna from Psalm 118 into John 8, 12, as we looked at it, that word Hosanna moved from a plea to a praise. It moved from a cry to a confidence. It moved from a fearful moment because they worshiped to this place of total confidence that the Son of God has come, that he saves us from fear, that he saves us from hopelessness, that salvation belongs to our God and to the Son. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And that's what they were saying. Now, we know that this was just the beginning of a very intense week for Jesus. Uh, The disciples didn't fully understand what was coming yet. Um, They didn't realize the cross was coming. Even though we see in the scripture Jesus explaining it to them pretty clearly over and over, they, they sort of refused to believe it. They refused to understand it. And what they saw Palm Sunday as when Jesus was said, okay, I'm gonna start this 
this process, they looked at Palm Sunday and thought, oh, all right, Jesus is about to go take control. They were excited that he would become king in the way that they imagined. And so they thought Jesus was going to go down and, and, and take over uh, all the things that, you know, all the plunder and, and with the sword and, and, and go and take over everything. And even Jesus' closest friends couldn't grasp the victory that Jesus would win over sin and Satan and death, that this victory would actually have to be through suffering. You know, Palm Sunday has to remind us that we can worship when we are afraid. That when we are afraid, we need to worship. You know, maybe you're laid off and you don't know how you're going to make it through the next 30 days of this restriction. Maybe, uh, maybe you're high risk or someone you love is high risk and you worry every day that this virus is going to get to you, that this virus is going to get close to you. Maybe, maybe it's not the virus at all. Maybe it's your adult child isn't serving God anymore and your heart just totally aches and you're fearful of what their life is becoming. Or, or maybe, maybe you're afraid you'll be lonely forever or that decision that you made will catch up with you and have, have bad consequences. I don't know why you're afraid, but I know that, that God knows. And I want you to know that no matter what it is, Palm Sunday reminds us that we don't need to run and hide and hoard and collapse when we're afraid. We need to proclaim, Hosanna, salvation has come, and his name is Jesus, and we can worship when we are afraid. I love Palm Sunday. I believe it, it really is this prophetic moment in the scripture. In fact, every time we worship it is a prophetic moment. It's, it's this practice. Because the Bible tells us that someday, by God's grace, those who have been faithful to the Lord, those who have given their lives and hearts to the Lord are going to stand together. And, the, and there will be believers in that crowd from, from Egypt and Japan and Iceland and, and, and thousands of tribes and languages and, and nations and tongues. And, and maybe, maybe we'll hold palms of praise in our hands. And we will sing together our song of salvation and eternity, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And in that moment, Jesus himself will be with us and he will look out in love and he will see all of us from every tribe, tongue, and nation who he bought with his own blood on the cross. And so every time we worship, even when we're afraid, we are prophetically uh, remembering or prophetically seeing into the future of eternity that this is what we're gonna do forever is worship the God who always comes through and who never, ever lets us down in our fear. So worship, worship when you're afraid. The second thing we should do when we are afraid is activate our gifts, activate our gifts. We need to activate our spiritual gifts when we're afraid. Now, often, we talked about this, when we're fearful, we shut down, we, we go inward, we go into self-protection mode. But God reminds us that when we are afraid, he can still use us. And not only he can still use us, he wants to use us. I love uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It reminds us, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
And so what this is saying is that even in the times that we feel the weakest, even in the times that we feel the most unqualified to be used by God, that he uses us. Because it has very little to do with how well you feel like you're holding things together. It has very little to do with how well you think that you are weathering uh, this new storm that we're all experiencing. And it has everything to do with our reliance on God. Less of us leaves room for more of Jesus. These spiritual gifts I'm talking about to activate your spiritual gifts um, are listed in the scripture in a few different places. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, that same Uh, That same passage talks about gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, miracles, healing, prophecy, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. In Romans 12, it adds to the list serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, showing mercy, And there's a few other passages even in the scripture that add to some of those administration, leadership. And when we are self-emptying, when we, when there's less of us and there's more room for Jesus, we leave room for God to deposit gifts in us. The, The spiritual gifts that God gives us are gifts of grace. They help us better serve the church and glorify God. That's the whole point. So the gifts from God are for us to serve the people around us and to build up the body of believers into maturity. That's what the gifts are for. They're given to us for free, no strings attached. We can't earn them, uh, but God gives them to us. And the purpose is to use them and to build up the body of believers into maturity. So I want us to think about something for a minute. What would happen if none of us used our spiritual gifts right now in this season? If we just stopped? If we all just hid and ran and self-protected because we were afraid, what would happen if none of us used our spiritual gifts right now in this season? I think that's a pretty disturbing thought. I think that's a pretty disheartening thought of what our community and our world would look like if we stopped using the gifts that God gave us because of our fear. Now, we know that fear is real. I'm not saying fear isn't real or that we shouldn't be experiencing any of this, but I do want to remind us that fear does not come from God, that any fear that we are facing, any fear that we're experiencing does not come from God. So Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, He had this longtime companion named Timothy. And um, in this particular passage I'm going to look at this morning, Paul is about to die. Okay, he's suffering in chains. He's actually in a cold dungeon writing this letter, and he's probably wrestling with fear at times. And he writes this letter to Timothy, uh, encouraging Timothy's work in the ministry. Okay, so it's as if Paul is saying, okay, Timothy, listen, here's the most important things. Like, here's my recap of all the times we've spent together. These are the most important things. And in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Paul is saying exactly what I just said. Fear is real, but it doesn't come from God. 
God did not give it to us. And I love how he says, God does not give us a spirit of fear. Paul is talking about, listen, I know how you feel. <laughs> Just because I am spiritually connected to God, I know how you feel. And, and God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Paul is saying, be brave, Timothy. You will face opposition. You, there will be things to be afraid of, but be brave because God didn't give you that fear. And then I love just going back up to verse six. Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame the gifts that God has given you. So he says, listen, even in that moment, even in your moments of, of potential fearfulness, develop your gift, use them, look for ways to contribute to the kingdom of God, because quite honestly, there is no better time. You know, the enemy doesn't want us to use our spiritual gifts. He wants us to keep us afraid. He wants to keep us inactive because spiritual gifts are powerful. They, they build up the church. And so if we stop using them, then the church stops being built up. Paul then says in Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 14, just going down a few verses there, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So this good deposit he's talking about is the sound teaching of the scripture. It's our spiritual gifts. It's all the things that God has put inside of us as we have grown in our relationship with him. And, and, and Paul says to Timothy, listen, guard that. Don't let fear take away what you were born to do. Don't let a COVID pandemic put you in this frozen situation where you are hoarding and collapsing and running and screaming. Don't let fear take away your contribution to the kingdom story. So my question for you today is what is one thing that God gave you that you can use to make his name great right now? What is that one thing or many things? Well, you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But God graciously allowed you to be an encourager or God graciously allowed you to be merciful. Maybe you can pray. Maybe you can paint. Maybe you can teach. Maybe you can help people refinance their loans. I heard that's a good thing to do right now. I don't know. What is it? What can you do that God can use you for? Now, I am not suggesting, to be clear, I'm not suggesting that you don't take the precautions that are deemed necessary right now. I'm not saying you should be reckless with your spiritual gifts. We need to honor authority. We need to be careful. We need to, to follow the rules of the, the very smart people who have decided to help us uh, flatten this curve of this disease. But what I am saying is that this is no excuse to sit in our hands and to let the deposit of the good gifts that God has given us go to waste. We need to get creative in the use of our gifts and we need to use digital communication as much as we can and everything that we can do. Now, I asked you the question, what would our community look like? What would our nation look like? What would our world look like if we all stopped using spiritual gifts? And I believe that would be a pretty grim future. But this is the question I'm asking myself every day, all the time, for you and for me. What could this season look like if we all activated our spiritual gifts? What could this season look like if we all activated our spiritual gifts? What could happen to our church? What could happen to our city? What could happen to our nation? If we asked God, how can I use what you have deposited in me to honor you right now, today? How can I fan the flame even when I am afraid? 
So what should we do when we're afraid? Well, here's our assignment, Erie First. Here's what I believe God is telling us. Worship all the time, everywhere, as sincere and as intentional as you can. And activate your gifts. Fan them into flame. Now is the time to do what God created you to do. Be everything he's asking you to be. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. Because our nation and our world desperately needs the church to step up and be the representative of Jesus. It's our time. Let's make God's name great. And I believe that he has put inside of us everything we need to do that. We just need to not run and hide and collapse in fear, but we need to stand in the great and strong courage and and guard the spiritual gifts that he has deposited in us. So thank you for listening. Let me pray for us today. If you're with some people in the room, we just bow your head and um, let's pray. I'm going to pray Romans 12. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you remind us in your word to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. Father, you remind us to be devoted to one another in love and to honor one another above ourselves. Jesus, you remind us in Romans 12 to not be lacking in zeal, but keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I pray, God, that we could be joyful in hope, that we could be a people that is patient in affliction, and Lord, that we could be faithful in prayer. And Lord, I pray Romans 12, 13 over everyone in the sound of my voice right now that we would share with the Lord's people who are in need and that we would practice hospitality. Father God, that our love would be sincere in this time. God, thank you so much that we can worship a God that's bigger and and, and understands everything and and this doesn't come as a surprise to you and you are just um, so omniscient and omnipotent and and sovereign. And Father God, thank you that you are so good that we can worship you no matter what is happening around us. We can worship you. And God, thank you that we can activate the gifts that you have put inside of us. God, would you give us creative ways? Would you help us see the needs of the people in our own lives, in our own communities? And I pray, Jesus, that, that spiritually we would not decline in this time, God, that we're not able to be together, but that we would increase and we would come back stronger, stronger spiritually and better spiritually. And we could make your name great if we're apart or if we're together. God, we love you. And we just pray that you would pour out your peace on us and your blessing God, that we could hear your voice so clearly in this time. And it's in your strong name I pray, amen. So be encouraged today. The best is yet to come. I love you guys. It's the privilege of my life to be your pastor. And I can't wait until we can all be together again. But until then, go and be the church. Blessings. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find all our podcasts and series videos at eeriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.